SoccerChronicle.com informa Los Cachirules El podcast con los garra Pasión y picardía Y hasta el equipo de todos Y ahora con ustedes Albert El Chichis Campa This is another edition of Los Cachirules This is episode I'm going to say 11 Even though that may or may not be right This is John Jagu, and with us uh, tonight we have our usual cast characters. We have Alberto Campa. How are you doing, Albert? Hey, what's up? Doing good. And we have Joel Aceves. How are you, sir? Greetings, John. It's it's episode seven. Okay. <laughs> For the we record. Have, we have uh, Christian. Christian Velez, how are you, sir? How are you doing, gents? And, of course, we have Juan Uribe from uh, Long Beach. Hey, hello, everybody. Good to have everybody on tonight. A uh, couple of uh, topics that we're going to be discussing uh, tonight for about the next uh, hour to 90 minutes or so. Uh, we're going to start off with the uh, the national team and uh, and uh, Juan Carlos Asorio's first uh, practice and first press conference uh, outside of being introduced with the team. And uh, so I didn't get a chance to listen to the whole thing. I was going to hopefully uh, uh, grab some clips, but... Uh, it uh, apparently turned out that he's not a big uh, fan of Giovanni Dos Santos right now, which, uh, frankly, I'm not really surprised because he really hasn't been playing all that well, whether he's been playing in MLS or not. And, uh, you know, for Giovanni, he really doesn't going to have a chance to to show what he can do until February or March. So it looks like uh, Giovanni is going to be out for the next, uh, you know, whatever it is that they do between now and the the two games in March. So... That's what we got going on. Oh, it looks like we have a uh, we have a so-called Dan on the line. How are you, Dan? You doing all right? Yeah, I'm good. How's everyone? How's everyone doing? Yeah, it's been a while, Dan. We uh we had a few drinks at uh, in where I was in Orange County when I was for the uh, for the Rose Bowl. For the Rose Bowl, that's right. So uh, where was <laughs> it at? At the Ritz or something? We else? At, uh, hotel? At, the, at the Fairmont, some fancy schmancy hotel that, yeah. that charged you twenty-five dollars for breakfast. So we ate breakfast there once, and then went and found a taco stand after that. We were the two smallest guys. It was um, looking at those uh, Texas um, football players was pretty. I, yeah. I, I usually feel small. Uh, I especially uh, I, I felt especially small that day. <clears throat> but uh, anyways, yeah. I wanted to say um, hi everybody. Thanks for uh, letting me join uh, join the pachanga. Lily's madre. Well, we appreciate it, and uh, well, I guess the uh, the first topic is uh, Giovanni dos Santos. Is did his move to MLS? Doom his uh, the, his national team career, or was it already doomed? You know, I think he screwed himself by turning down the, or maybe somebody somebody at the MMF FMF is mad, upset at him, because one of the comments from Baños was, "Hey, Gio's not at a hundred percent, so we're not gonna, we decided not to call him up." So you think it's more of a political issue than a than a sporting issue, Juan? I think it's I think it's a sporting issue, not necessarily an MLS. And I I'm, I'm one of those guys who'll hate on MLS like like Pern does, but I think it's more of a well. From what he said today, he seems to think that he doesn't fit into the formation. I think he even said that he. Uh, Juan Carlos Osorio said that he asked him where his 
where he felt more, most comfortable in the field, and uh, and that's not where he you know needs someone. He already has all three of those dudes who he thinks are better than Gio at the at the moment. Well, I mean, the reality is, is that you know, Giovanni started off real hot at MLS. He had a couple of really good games, but after that first uh, month or so, he cooled off tremendously. He got hurt again, and uh, he put on a little weight. So just he really hadn't been the same player. And you know, and watching the the the, the playoff game, I know that you know everyone wants to blame Giovanni for that loss, but I mean, it was really their defense that was just so terrible. But you know, I'm not so sure whether if he warranted or a call up or not. But the fact that his his current form Compared to the guys that are coming in, like uh, like Chicharito, who's just you know been on fire, and and Decatito, who's playing well, uh, Jimenez, who is doing really well despite the fact that he hadn't really you know hadn't scored a goal yet, but he's I mean he's really been playing well for for Benfica, you know it just he just didn't uh, you know there were just guys that were that were better than him in, in the position. I think that if he can get to the point where he can be a little bit better, you know he'll certainly warrant a call, but. Right now, I mean, I'd have to agree with the fact that he's just, you know, maybe he's just not, uh, his level of play just isn't as good, considering that there's a whole bunch of guys ahead of him that are doing better. Well, one, one yeah. thing. Yeah. Go ahead, Christian. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think it, it's, it's, it's mostly a sporting issue, um, because I think we all agree with the fact that Gio is not at a level where, like John just said, he can compete with, some of the other guys um, that are coming in, but um, at one point, you know, when when he opted out of the USA game about a month ago, people and a lot of a lot of the press sort of questioned his commitment, which I think is the last thing you can question about when it comes to Gio and the national team. The kid has been part of the national team for six years, and he's been with the national team through thick and thin. You know, the under 23s in London. Uh, two World Cups, two World Cup qualifier, two two cycles of World Cup qualifying, three Gold Cups. Um, I don't see where we can question that 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 commitment. But 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 ultimately, yeah. I mean, uh, Osorio was talking about <clears throat> wanting to use Geo as sort of a second forward whenever whenever he does use a setup with two forwards, um, and he doesn't apparently you know. This is kind of like what happened with Chepo, where Chepo sort of started with Gio on the wings and essentially at some point moved him inside behind the, by, behind the main forward or the, you know, the number nine. And for, for whatever reason, during that period of time, uh, it was the worst stretch of national team play that I, you know, obviously coincided with the Hex. So maybe, maybe you know, I mean, we don't really know what was said. Supposedly they, they had a, a, a meeting uh, at, you know, at which... Banos was there, and apparently Gio's dad as well. And you know, maybe Gio wasn't as as gung ho about playing in a position where he doesn't feel he is going to be, you know, in a position to succeed. Um, which then becomes more of a personal issue than a team issue. And and at that point, you're better off leaving the player aside and focusing on the guys that at least you know played in the USA game and, and did it rather well. So I mean, I mean, there's not a lot we can sort of uh, you know, spe- we can speculate a lot, but but at the end of the day, I think it, it's not a terrible idea to have Gio off this roster. Um, one thing I was I I don't know I, if it's been discussed, but when um, as if the team plays well, 
his chances are going to diminish even more so because, I mean, his chances to impress are nil now. He's they're, they're, the, the MLS season is over. And um, if these guys continue to shine, um, there's going to be very limited chances for him to, to actually get back on the stage and actually prove that he, that he could actually contribute again. It's unfortunate, too, because I think um, he's... He was like the one, the one glimmer of hope for like a number of years. Yeah, you know what? I, 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 I like to think that, um, regardless of his club situation, um, he still sort of pulled through. For he's pulled through for Mexico. I mean, he was sort of the catalyst along with with Demok and and Efrain Juarez during two thousand nine during the, the the second part of the hex, including that Gold Cup. You know, he was he was pretty good at the two thousand ten World Cup. Um, the 2011 Gold Cup, he was amazing. He was really good at the Olympics. I mean, the only the only sort of gripe we can have with him is, and not just him, a lot of the players as well, was the uh, was the hex in 2013. And again, in 2014 at the World Cup, he was he was one of our best players. So, I mean, for better or for worse, he has you know, so to speak, he's shown up. He has shown up for the national team. So, I mean. We talk about Ochoa as well, you know. Uh, does he deserve to be on a team right now? I mean, he hasn't really played. You know, Sodio talks about his trajectory and it's something he has to respect. Well, the same the same argument could be made for Gio as well, you know. But but mm-hmm. unfortunately for Gio, he does have a lot more competition up top than Memo does in the goalkeeping position. So it is, it's kind of a weird sort of like talk <clears throat> out of both sides of your mouth there from the coaching point of view. But it makes sense. I think, it, 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 like I said, I mean, I don't think it's a it's a terrible call to leave him home. Um, and, you know, and, and like John said, he wasn't he wasn't playing. I mean, he was playing okay with the Galaxy there for the last month and a half or so. But but certainly not something that you'd say. You know, this guy has to be on the national team. You know, but if he was on a team, I also wouldn't think it's a bad idea. So I mean, I'm I'm of two minds. I, I think that. I mean, it's not a bad idea to leave him off, but if he was in a roster, I also wouldn't think it was a bad idea. I'll tell you what, it seems like it's almost like a wake-up call for him that maybe if he wasn't considering a, a loan move in uh, in the winter to, uh, you know, maybe go help. You know, I'm just going to throw this out there. I, like, say, I know that they've said that they wouldn't take him, but, like, maybe he should, you know, you know, take a, take a loan spell with America for the, uh, for the clausura or with somebody else, maybe like Monterey or somebody, you know, somewhere where he's more comfortable, you know, just uh, because, I mean, they've, you know, the, the, the battle lines have been drawn, it's, you know, and they're saying, you know, what, where you are right now, it's just not good enough for you, and the fact that you're not going to play for six months between now and then, then, uh, you know, things are going to get, uh, as, as Daniel said, you know, your, your, your chances of, 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 of making an impression are going to get, are, are nil right now, you know, you, do, you, don't, you won't be able to make an impression, so... Uh, you know, it could be, and something that Osorio said there. I'm, 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 I'm a little confused because I read this morning that, that one of the reasons they didn't call him up is because he didn't talk to him. It's like you couldn't fly to L.A. It's what is it like a two and a half hour flight from Mexico to go to L.A.? I, mean, I know it's not that far. That was the most absurd thing I've heard yet. Yeah, I mean, and he was in Tijuana. Didn't he go to Tijuana to see the Pumas uh, Cholos game? Yeah, no, the, the the reports are conflicting because uh, Osorio himself said he hasn't met with him, but. There are also, there's also, uh, also a lot of media reports that say that he did, in fact, meet with him and wasn't really happy about Sergio's demeanor when it came to uh, what Osorio was planning tactically and where he saw Gio fitting in. Because, I mean, if, 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 
if we go by the idea that that uh, he's going to have two different setups for home and away games during the qualifiers, um, you know, if he's going to play a four-three-three at home or some variation of that, I, I still think that on the wings you you have guys that I, that I would feel personally more comfortable with right now playing those positions, even to the point where I wouldn't think that having Aquino, for example, playing above Gio at this moment is that. You know, it's that far-fetched. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Aquino at all. But based on what Otorio wants to do, you know, I'm not entirely sure where I see Gio fitting in, you know? Well, one, one thing that well, I'm reading on this article. Yeah, go ahead, Albert. Oh, yeah, real quick. This one article that he said, um, he said, I think from Giovanni said he wanted to be below the forwards. And he compared him well. Pena, he said, Pena and Esquivel are, are at a better level uh, than he is at the moment. And I was like, but I mean, Pena was doing all right. I don't know about Esquivel being better than Gio. Actually, I don't yeah. think either of those guys could take Gio's spot. But with uh, the last game that he played with the Galaxy in that playoff game, he was like the go-to guy. He was the guy who would bring it up to the forwards, and he would give passes, and they're all offsides, and, and you know, uh, those guys were all slow and old, the two forwards that they had, but Gio was the man during that so game. Gio, I didn't think he played real bad, but his teammates were just so low yeah, level. Yeah, that, that defense was just awful. Now, Joel, you, you thought that Gio should be on the team, right? Oh, hello. Yeah, uh, you guys already mentioned it, the conflicting reports. Once, uh, the ones from Santiago Baños, where he said that that because they hadn't spoken with him, he he uh, and then uh, how Osorio talked about about uh, Memo being in the team because of his trajectory. So I I feel there's there's more going on than we're led to believe. I don't know if this this uh, is good or bad, but yeah, I I feel he should be in there. I think like they have uh, they have uh, was this? Peralta. He he's really good, but he's 31. He's gonna be 34 by the World Cup. So even though I feel he belongs in the team, I wouldn't put him over Gio. Yeah, but the thing about Peralta, that's that. I mean, he is a pure striker. Gio is more of a you know I've always seen him as like a withdrawn forward kind of guy. I mean, Peralta can score with the right, he can score with the left, he can score with his head. I mean, he's just he's just a goal scorer. I don't necessarily uh, think that they that they would assume the same roles. Now, as far as Gio not fitting in, that really doesn't make any sense to me because he can play on the wing, uh, yeah, either, okay. either on the right side or the left side. So it just it just seems a little bizarre to me. Uh, you know, maybe you know, and, and anytime I hear stuff like this, uh, I always wonder, you know, was he was he stupid somebody he wasn't supposed to on you know like a like a detective's daughter or something on the road? I mean, I mean, you know, what happened? Well, he's saying that. <laughs> He's saying that there are others better. He's saying Chicharito, Raul, and uh, Oribe are better at the moment. Yeah, that's why I mentioned Oribe, because because I mean, if you're if you're gonna choose players and you're doing a a long proceso that that culminates in in Russia, then then essentially you're gonna want younger players. Yeah, and and, and I think Gio fit in eventually, but you know, right right now at this moment for these two games, maybe. You know, maybe it wasn't. Uh, you know, maybe some other guys that were available. Now, I will say this. You know, Peralta also had the. I'm sorry, Peralta also had the benefit of having played in that playoff game as well. Right. It's the most recent uh, sort of sample size that Osorio yeah. has, so he can't. You know, uh, you know. I don't know. He's going to go with probably a lot of a lot of those players because that's the most recent sort of uh, evidence that he has. 
And you know the thing is that uh, Geo pulled out of the Concacaf. Uh, I'm sorry, the Confed uh, playoff, yeah. and then he he was injured. And though. then he well, he, right, he, played, he was injured, he but then he played a week later. Right. You know, then he he came back to MLS and played and played the full ninety. Yeah, and so suddenly he was healed, and it just it seemed really sketchy because uh, I know there was some some yellow press out there saying that hey, Geo signed some kind of deal to where he wasn't gonna play that uh that playoff. You know, they, there's this always cracks up. There's no deals the players sign. <laughs> Nettie didn't get paid. It, you know, it's just hey, there's know, no trato de caballeros either, yeah, right? Exactly. It's just, it, there's just no. But I mean, I talk about the national. It just it, it, if it's gonna be, they just leave a guy off. You know. It's like I remember when they had all that, that stuff about uh, Benica that uh, Pavel Pardo didn't play in Osorio, and I forget who the other guy was, Sancido, or, or I, yeah. I forget, I think the other three guys. Yeah, and those three guys, yeah. yeah. The real reason was is that their clubs weren't going to let them play, but the FMF is so bad at PR that they just, you know, they would rather, you know, prolong this, this idiotic novella to sell newspapers and, the, you know, get ratings and just tell the truth. It's like the clubs weren't going to let them play because they already played one tournament. There was no way they were going to let them play another one. Well, they're taking a step in the right direction now. They've they've uh, they've gotten rid of the uh, the Sona Mixta for press, and now they're going to simply do it like like most clubs do it and most national teams do it, where they they have an assigned press conference with three random players and and that's it. Because the press has been harping on the fact that during the Gold Cup, the players refused to speak to the press after the whole thing that went down with Record. Um, and then they, they, they felt they were being taunted because the players would go past uh, the, the, the media stage after the games just hanging out and high-fiving and playing music and completely ignoring the press. And, and you, know what, you know how it is in Mexico. You can't, you know, those are the guys that they right. shape public opinion. You can't really get on their bad side. And we've seen what happens to players that do that, like, you know, like Nelly Castillo, for example, um, despite the fact that a lot of the fans sort of agree with him in the, in, in the way that he's being hounded back then, his response only served to unify the press. And, and much like it did with the uh, Miguel Herrera incident with Martinoli, um, even the, even some of the guys in, in the media that felt like Martinoli had sort of been winding up Herrera for, for months and that it was only a natural occurrence that he would snap at some point, you know, uh, they sort of had to side with their own and... and, and that's kind of, uh, you know, like you're right. I mean, the FMF does not do PR very well at all, and, and, and this is a problem with that. And and it's only going to become more of a problem, especially with the Geo thing, because there's still not a clear answer as to what happened with his injury a month ago. How was he able to go out and play a week later? Um, and why has, I mean, the Galaxy has no obligation to anybody to really come out and say, well, you know, maybe he tweaked something and we thought it was better for him to stay. Uh, you know, whatever, so... You know, the, the, all of it falls on the FMF, and and they don't handle this well at all. They never have. I mean, we over the past few years, we we can point to at least a number of examples where simple incidents that happen everywhere all the time were handled poorly, and all it really did was create a, a vacuum of pressure for the players that was really unnecessary. Hey, yeah. and you know what? Uh, after, before the playoff, there was pictures of him training and. Uh... Like they showed him jumping like you know three or four feet in the air for headers and yeah yeah he was doing drills it was that's why it was you know it was it like is, a bizarre situation weird. man and I think so do you believe he probably did probably uh, at least unofficially agreed to made some kind of agreement not to play that game I just have trouble buying that 
I don't know if he, I don't know. I do, I do too. And I, but you know, but again, if, if if just don't, you know, if you don't want to do it, just don't call him up, and you know, don't create these excuses. Just say, hey, listen, you know, right now he's, you know, he's not going to play, and we'll, you know, he'll get called up in the future. Just leave it at that. Just you know, just get ahead of the story and be done with it. So yeah, I mean, for me as a fan, I, I was as a fan, I will say this uh, simply that I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he, there's never. Since you know, since Gio has been with the national team, again, I don't, I don't, I can't point to any sort of instance where, you know, like Vela, for example, where we have clear sort of pattern of him not wanting to come for whatever reason. That hasn't been the case with Gio, and so, you know, this is sort of this transitional period has not been good to him. You know, he's moved to MLS, and he's been he's been criticized for that, and you know, and, and, and it just so happened also that you know his sort of dip in form coincided with other players sort of gaining form and, and maybe overtaking them in the pecking order. So I, I, I'd like to believe it is a sporting issue in that sense. And, and uh, if and when he, he shows a higher <clears throat> higher level, uh, we'll see him back with the national team. Hey, but uh, when he was at Ip- Ipswich uh, Town... Well, uh, I mean, there's, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, we've talked about it in the past. I mean, you know, it has been for the past six years. He's done, you know, he's played exceptionally well. You know, there have been other players in the past that have not played for the national team for a spell, like Walt Demok didn't play, and Hugo Sanchez didn't play for, you know, for a couple of years uh, back in the late 80s. So he'll be back. You know, he's young enough. Uh, right now, you know, the reality is is that it's not as important for him to be there because there are other players, which, frankly, is great because Mexico usually doesn't have depth at that position. So it's, it's good to have that. So let's move on. No more Geo. No more Geo talk. We're done with Geo. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> now, uh, a guy who has been on fire lately, and I think that this is uh, something that, that, that bears a lot of uh, discussion, is the fact that Chicharito has just been, and it, it, he's, his form has been numb. I mean, since the, the game in Pasadena, I think there's been one game that, he hasn't, that he's played where he didn't score. He's scored in, 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 what, seven of eight games or eight of nine games. Yep. It's, been, it's been really impressive. And, you know, people say, oh, it's because he's on a smaller team. No, it's because he's playing. You know, he could play on any team in the world, and I think that, you know, he's proven that he can play on any team in the world. You know, for folks to, to, uh, to diminish him because he's scoring goals at a mid-table club in Germany on a consistent... I, I personally don't think his form is all that, like, as good as I think, as I've seen it, actually. Personally, I, I think his finishing and his, and his touch right now is, is even rough for, even for, for like, for him. I, it's pretty rough. Um, despite that, he's still racking up goals, which goes to show how good the rest of his game is. is um, I, uh, I think he's, I think he's got a real good chance of actually bettering what he is already doing right now. I think he's got a real good chance to go on a streak where he could really start, maybe get a brace or even a, because um, they're actually looking for him at all the t- all the times. And if he actually gets a game where he he, he um, Takes takes all his chances. He could have a big, real big games. Yeah, Daniel has a good point because um, you've seen he's been sort of on an ascending curve. He's sort of getting to know the team. You know, they're getting to know him, and uh, you're starting to see like some 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 chemistry developing between certain players and, and, and Chicharito. But um, I, I reluctantly will agree with with Daniel that. Uh, I, I think I've seen Chicharito in, in, in uh, overall uh, sort of individually in, in, in better moments. That's not to say that that this current streak is isn't good. I mean, he's scoring, and, and ultimately that's what it is being asked 
of him, but um, coming into the national team on a streak like this, you know, regardless of any of our personal opinions about uh, things he could have do could, could be doing better, it's just it's nothing but good news. Yeah, I mean, the the reality about Chicharito is that he could play better, he could play worse. That's fine, but he is paid to score goals. And that's, that's right. what he's delivering right now for his team. And, uh, you know, hopefully he'll do the same uh, in these next couple of games. You know, he had a good game last time he was down in San Pedro Sula. Doesn't necessarily play as well at the Azteca. But I, I don't think that he has to have the pressure to play as well at the Azteca like he's had in the past. So, you know, you know, maybe with the reduced pressure, maybe that'll help him a little bit more than than what's had in the past. Now, there are rumors, and I don't know how this started, but I think it's hilarious, that, uh, that, that, that Chelsea's looking at Chelsea doesn't need goal-scoring help. I mean, they need help elsewhere. So I don't necessarily put any truth to these rumors. I don't know how you all feel about it, but I just don't see uh, Mourinho going for a guy like Chicharito. What do you all think? I think he's a he's always been a Chicharito fan, right? Didn't he try to bring him into Real Madrid when he was yeah, uh, with Manchester was in, United? Yeah. There was supposedly interest. Uh, Mourinho supposedly is a fan of Chicharito as a player, so I don't think it's that far-fetched. And, and, and the reason why I say that, it's not necessarily because of Chicharito, but mostly because of the the current slump that Chelsea's in. They have a couple of forwards that, you know, all of a sudden Diego Costa is being questioned um, and his abilities are being questioned. I, I, I don't think it, even if it were true, if it was factually true, I don't see how that would be a good move for him, especially now that he's finally in a situation where he's finally getting to play every game and... And even more important than that, he's he's uh, he's playing for a team that's pretty young. I mean, collectively, Leverkusen is a very young team, and, and so Chicharito becomes uh, kind of he plays the same role that Guardado does at PSV, sort of a, a more veteran presence where uh, his contributions are 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 sort of twofold. You know, he's expected to perform on the field, but he's also now the expectation is that he's going to help guide these younger players uh, throughout the games and managing the games and stuff like that. So. I think it's a great situation for him. I don't. I, I mean, it's nice that that you know, Mourinho and Chelsea and what have you are interested in him. But the fact of the matter is, he's already played for two of the best teams in the world, and 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 you know, we've seen what that three. did to him. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, three. He'll turn into um, the super sub again. Does, does no, he I'm become crazy. more expendable if um if 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 Leverkusen gets bounced? Does he become all actually? Sellable gets, at that gets point. Gets bounced from what? Gets bounced from the Champions League? Well, yeah. Cause well, that's going to happen. They're not, they're not going to I mean, even if they made the next round, I mean, honestly, do you, do you guys, if, if Leverkusen by some miracle made it to the round of 16, do you guys see them going any further than that? No, I think that would be, I think yeah. it would be a stretch to even think they're going to make it out of the group. Right. I think I think they have, Euro, they have Europa Cup written all over them. They could do some damage in that, in that, um, in the Europa League. Yeah. Um, if they get a left back. Sold? I don't know because you know what, uh, Leverkusen, like I said, they have a pretty young team, and so they probably they probably have some sort of. I, I remember some some arena about this, but they do have like a two to three year project with a lot of these players, so they want to sort of maximize that, and so I think that's where the that's where Chicharito comes in. I mean, they're gonna. I, I would think also that he understands, given his recent interviews, that this is a special situation for him because. He's again. He's finally at a, at a, at a team that's going to allow him to to be uh, a regular starter and a regular contributor. So 
I'm not sure he would at this point in his career, after again after having played for Real Madrid and Manchester United, that he would fancy quote unquote a move to Chelsea because that would be more of the same for him. Right. You know, you know that's, that's a very good. Go ahead, Juan. I was going to add that uh, the only thing I don't like about the Chelsea move is that they're saying uh, Mourinho might get fired. So I think you know, remember uh, Gio moved to a club and then they fired the coach, and yeah. so that's I right. think he doesn't want to go to a situation where the coach that likes him is going to get fired. And I think until that becomes clear, he should stay put. You, know, you made a very good point about Chicharito being kind of the older guy, which is kind of weird, but it's true. But I th- you know, the one thing that Chicharito has, you know, where, where he is just a world-class guy, is that he's a world-class professional, and you know, he'll show, he'll show the guys, you know, how to practice, you know, how to comport themselves on and off the field, you know, kind of like Guardado did. So you know, the, the, that in that sense, I think that the best thing for Chicharito, and I would never, I mean, I never believe the rumors to the, of the whole Chelsea. Anything anyway, but uh, but I think Leverkusen is a great spot for him, and if they make it to the Europa League, which I think they will, they just as long as they beat the uh, the Belarusian team, you know, they they should make it into that. I think they have a, they have a pretty good deep run, you know. As far as Bundesliga, you know, if they can get into like the top six or seven, I think that'd be a good season for them. Because on, I mean, I've watched their games; they're not a good team. It is it it is he is far and away he and the uh, is it Algerian or what's the other? Uh, Shana, Shana Glue, Shana something or other. Yeah, number 14. They have about, I think that, well, they have a, individually they have some good players, uh, but I think collectively they're just a little, very naive. Uh, and you can see it in a way that they sort of lose track defensively very easily. And, and you know, um, I mean, it's exciting to watch them play because they're bound to score a couple of goals, but you know they're going to give up at least a couple of goals as well. Um they need to get rid of Wendell, man. That guy's a. Well, he's a very young player. I mean, he he actually just got called up to the uh, to the Brazilian Olympic team. Um, I don't know if he's a fullback, to be honest. I, defensively, he's 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 not very good. But but going forward, he's 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 you know he's a fine player. But he's also very young. And and uh, again, you know, that situation for for Hernandez is 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 very very good because. He gets to showcase pretty much all aspects of his game, his leadership, which I think is an underrated part of his game. I mean, he's a he's a very vocal guy on the field, and and you always see him, you know, sort of helping his teammates out. And you know, when they miss, you know, he, he doesn't he doesn't grimace, he doesn't yell. He just you know, come on, let's do it. We'll do it again. We'll do it better. Uh, which I think is a very very important trait, especially when everything starts to get you know more and more compressed, and and uh, the press gets more and more in Leverkusen because. They have dropped a lot of points recently. I mean, I remember seeing an article today on, I think it was Record, where uh, they were, the, the the title of the article was a little mis- it was a little misleading, but it was pretty much saying that despite the fact that that Hernandez has scored in the last six or whatever games, they've lost at least half of those games. So what is it? What good is it really? You know, I mean, individually, it's great Still for window. him. Well, windows, I mean, windows the weak weak spot there. It's good for Chicharito. <laughs> That he actually starts netting those goals like and not blow some of those chances because I think it can be the difference in maybe getting a point or actually even getting all three um, I, I I think if he's a little bit more proficient with the scoring I think it, it'll absolutely translate to a little bit more wins because they're actually he's, he is a focal point he, they're looking at him to end the plays all the strikers uh, miss though dude and yeah no, no, puts no, plenty no. away like 
don't get me wrong. He's a, he's my absolute favorite as far as Mexico is concerned. I absolutely think he should. He's our undisputed starter, at least as, if it were up to me. Um, I just think that that that, uh, that sometimes in, in early on in the game, when you when you get to really change how the the, the flow of the game goes, getting that first goal, be it Chicharito or somebody else, it's really important psychologically to get that goal in because um, you automatically put the pressure. And then like the other ones, they they sent they somehow have a tendency to fall a little bit more easier, whereas um, you, you you blow those chances and then the other team doesn't blow their chance, and then guess what, now you're playing from behind. So I, 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 I do think, and since he is kind of that leader that you guys were speaking of, I, I do think that that's one area that where I, I, I still think he needs to, to just tighten up a little bit. You know, Hugo, Hugo said that the, the conversion rate for... For any team, for any striker, is like uh, every three, you know, uh, sh shots on goal should be one goal. I, I don't think Chicharito's that far from that ratio, but I mean, he does do, he does good just to get in the get in the positioning and. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah he's getting more attempts. He's going to be getting more attempts than everybody else because he's so much better at it than everybody else in that regard. Uh, so, like, I'm I'm really not trying to diminish him at all. No, no, factually speaking, you're absolutely correct. I mean, there have been a couple of games where, where, you know, he's missed some, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if they were easy or not. I mean, he's missed shots that we think he should put away. Um, but on a, on a more realistic sort of uh, view, I, I think it's unfair to – it's a little unfair. I'm not saying it's unfair, but it's a little unfair to sort of, you know, sort of uh, – Talk, you know, or, or, or create the converse or, or shape the conversation around the fact that that Leverkusen could have gotten more points if he had put those goals away because some of the goals that they've given up have been horrendously naive, and so you could look, you could point in either direction, but but ultimately it doesn't matter because as a team they have to, Leverkusen has to do a lot better because you know there are going to be games where Chicharito's not going to score, and because we know it's you going to happen. Hush your, mouth. hush your mouth. Hush your mouth. Well, he's gonna. He's gonna. It, you know, we all know this is very. This comes in cycles, you know. And and uh, I mean, I'm I'm interested in seeing where Chicharito stands, you know, six months, eight months from now when the season's over, and he's heading into national team duty for Cup America. How many goals is he gonna have in all competitions? You know, I think he'll have uh, me personally, I'm thinking. 25. That's what I'm thinking too. Yeah, I'm thinking twenty. Twenty, I think is is a, is, and it's not even like. It's a stretch. I think that's a very realistic number for him. 20, I think he's really conservative. Well, I'm going to say 30 if they get into UEFA. Okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, 25 I think would be would be a great target for him. And yeah, let, let's hope that he, uh, you know, plays a full season so that when he comes back to play that tournament, he'll be, you know, he'll be in, in good for you. Know, I guess we'll know. You know, you know, personally, I think it's fantastic that he's playing as well as he is uh, coming into these two games because we need a, uh, as Dan said, we need a guy to get that early goal. You know, if, if Mexico can get a goal within the first 15 minutes at the Azteca against El Salvador, they'll win 5 nothing. But if they, you know, wait until the second half to score, it's going to, you know, it, you know, the longer it waits, the, the, the tougher it's going to get for them to get one. So getting that early goal would be just massive. So... Uh, all right, moving on. No more Chicharito. We're done with him. He should have a great. Uh, 
he should have a great uh, a couple of games coming up uh, here, starting at the Azteca, and then at San Pedro Sula, he needs to get a couple more goals there as well. So uh, moving on to topics, as I'm trying to find them here. Well, we wanted to talk about... Uh, good Lord. What was next on our list, Albert? Uh, as, I'm, as I'm trying to find it here. Oh, here we are. Vela, Carlos Vela. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, now, is he really going to MLS, or is he, honestly, does he want to play at Chiapas? I mean, let's, let's face it. I think he wants to play at Chiapas. <laughs> no, he's he's probably going to end up in MLS. He wants uh, to be on a team. Well, I, I, I mentioned this, I think it was in a, one of our first episodes. We briefly talked about uh, Gio and Vela, and... and um, I think Santiago Baños had a very good point in the sense that Vela has been in Europe for the last 10 years. So that's that alone, uh, to me, sort of signifies that he may have just gotten to a point where, like, he doesn't feel that he needs to prove himself competitively in Europe and maybe maybe wants to sort of, you know, quote-unquote cash in and, and have a, you know, maybe an easier path down the remainder years of his career, which which is strange to say because I still don't think he's hit his peak yet. But um, I, I do think, you know, I hope he doesn't, but I do think he'll end up in MLS. You know what? That would be disappointing from him because it uh, wasn't one of his uh, personal goals was to play for Real Madrid. But, uh, I mean, we all know he's not a fan. Hey, uh, he, if he gives up on playing the World Cup, I don't think he could care much for exactly. playing in a Exact team. Yeah, I, I think he just wants comfort at this point. Yep. Because there was talks that he could have left Real a long time ago. I mean, La Sociedad. He wants to go watch a Miami Heat game. Yeah. I think Gio, you know, Gio probably convinced him there, huh? It, it would probably, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he times his uh, his entry into MLS if and when Miami gets a team, which it's looking like, you know. Well, I thought Liga MX was bad about uh, buying, your, buying your way into the league, but I guess uh, MLS, it doesn't matter. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he times it for that. Uh, you know, they, they, they just fired his coach uh, today. It was uh, about Moyes. Yeah, David Moy. I mean, honestly, he's playing, you know, 18th, 19th century soccer in, yeah. in, in a 21st century league. I mean, it's it was embarrassing. Yeah, it was, it was the most... Uh, even watching the Real Sociedad games, it was just like, Christ, like... Yeah. Oh, I, I, could, I could be doing some. I could be watching Chiapas versus Veracruz or something, and still probably have a better time. You know. Yeah. It I was saw not, something not that uh, Vela had a part. That Vela might have uh, had a part in his firing. I don't know if that was true or not, or it was just some article I saw that. Yeah, they were saying they didn't get along. You know, Moyes and Vela, but but uh, ultimately Moyes was just not a good fit. Um, terrible. And, and honestly, they has done a terrible job of, of reinvesting the money they got from like. Antoine Griezmann, or or even uh, you know they sold uh, what's his name to Real Madrid and brought him back. Uh, what's his name? Um, Ilaramendi. Yeah, uh, Ilaramendi. They they've done a terrible job of investing, and and they they just you know the team hasn't just hasn't really been that good the past year and a half anyway. So um, it, it's it's probably time for Vela to move on anyway, in my opinion. And unfortunately, it looks like MLS might be a real destination. He should have struck when the iron was hot after the two the 2014 season when he just had the you know the season of his life. That that if he really wanted to 
move up to a bigger team, that was when he should have done it. Uh, he didn't. He's ended up having, uh, you know, a pretty serious, not serious, but just real nagging injuries ever since, and he just really hasn't been the same guy. Yeah. It would be disappointing to me to see him go to MLS because, you know, he's the kind of guy that, I mean, he's already made his money, so it's like, you know, why would you want to do that? I mean, you know, San Sebastian is, is so much nicer than Atlanta or Chicago, though, you know, wherever it is that they want to where they want to assign him, because let's face it, he's not going to pick his team. They're going to put him somewhere. Chicago? Hey, hey $30 Miami. Million, though? Would you, would you turn that amount down? Well, that's the thing, though. Is, I mean, if, if they're going to throw $8 million a year at him, I mean, you know, you'd be stupid not to, because he's, he's never going to make that in Europe. Nobody really does, aside from, you know, Ibra, Messi, Ronaldo. Yeah, um, I mean... It's just unrealistic kind yeah. of money. And, and, and I, you know what? I'll tell you this. If he comes to MLS... I kind of expect the same thing to happen to him that happened to Gio because they're going to be looked at as like the offensive sort of fulcrum, the, uh, the offensive engine. And <clears throat> I'm not entirely sure Vela is going to sh shine under a system like that because, you know, th these are players that are used to playing with, with a higher quality of players around them that, that, that sort of a domino effect that sort of uh, it brings out the best in them as well. And I don't think he's going to find that in MLS, much like Gio hasn't found it in, in the Galaxy, aside from, you know, uh, players like Robbie Keane or, you know, at times Jazzy Sardis or Sebastian Legette. It, it, I'm not entirely sure that's – it's financially speaking, it's a great move for anybody, let's be honest. I mean, but but even sporting-wise, I mean, I don't – I just don't see how that's going to – how that could be appealing to anybody, you know. You know, it would be really funny, and it would just. And I was thinking about this earlier today. He said, you know, the, the rumors are that he wants to come, be closer to home. So whether that's, and of course, you know, it couldn't possibly be any team in Liga Mekis, right? That that you know, all the, uh, so all it's going to be somewhere in MLS. Well, I can think of a team that would love to get on Carlos Vela, and and and, I, and he's the kind of guy that would love to do it, in my opinion. And that would be America, just to stick it to Chivas one last time. <laughs> and I'm I am dead serious. They, hey John, really like, we're really gonna like fight after the show, John. Me and you. <laughs> well, hey, I'm just I'm I'm just throwing it out there. I think I th you know let's face it. I mean, if there's one team that I think he would go to Liga MX, it would be Club America. And there's that there's, would be a great. He could be he could be the uh, the substitute for uh, Oribe yeah, Peralta. He exactly. Could, you know, he could be the new, very similar the kind team. of players anyway. But let's not forget that his brother uh, Alejandro Vela is playing right now in Minnesota which will be part of MLS within the next year or two anyway. So there could be something there as well. You know, Maybe they're just sort of buttering him up and bringing him over to MLS to be the face of the Minnesota franchise that's supposed to start in MLS, I think, in 2017 anyway. Yeah. So, Hey, yeah. guys, keep in mind that uh, I mean, the MLS is going to give him a paycheck, but also, like if you notice, Gio, all the you know, off-the-field off stuff, uh, promos that he's doing, I think. Endorsement, you know, yeah. The, all the endorsements, that might even yeah. double whatever you know, whatever the MLS offers him, so... Is, is he on TV a lot in LA? Uh, been doing a lot of appearances. I, I couldn't tell you if he's on TV or not, yeah, to be do honest. I, do, they, do, do, the, do the sports guys still go to the Playboy Mansion three times a week because someone is releasing <laughs> a new golf ball? <laughs> the last time I was in LA, I watched the news, and, and, this, and you know, they do, it's time for the sports hit on the local news, and they're always at the Playboy Mansion. It's like, yeah, the title is releasing the new golf ball today at the Playboy, so we, know, we all had to come. It it's like a banquet hall. Yeah. I gotta, now you wonder how they test that golf ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
That's absolutely yeah. That, so, I mean, I really do think that uh, if if there was a chance for 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 a Mexican team to land him, and I think that that this would be the time to do it. I think it would be, and and, and frankly, I think I think it would be a great fit. I think it would well, be a really. Yeah, I wonder what what the um, what the reaction has been in Mexico, at least amongst the Liga MX clubs, to MLS looking to uh, sort of you know bring in these these current sort of national team stars uh, because they're gonna do it. They're gonna go for Guardado. They're gonna go for Chicharito. They've already gone for Chicharito. They've already got Gio. They're, they're obviously going after Vela. It won't be long before they go after Herrera and eventually take a Tito. So are the Liga MX clubs ready and willing to step in and uh, maybe offer a little more money? Because, you know, uh, ideally, you know, why would you allow your rival league in the continent to start snatching up, you know, the faces of the national team? You know, you'd you'd think that – I think Club America did sort of make a play. Uh, I I know Tigres made a play for Gio as well. and maybe, you know, maybe that's not enough. Maybe these guys do want to sort of experience the lifestyle here anyway, so uh, whatever it may be. But, Just but, like they can I mean, go shopping every day. Like to spend that kind of money, though? Well, I don't think they'll pay them that kind of money, but they, I mean, it could, it could be close. Yeah, but I the mean, reality is, Dan and, and Christian, is that they can pay that kind of money, and that's what frustrates me. I mean, Well, I know no, that they can. I'm just not, and my old issue is, like, these owners, obviously, they don't want to... Well, as, as Christian says, money. at some point there's going to be a tipping point, and they're going to have to start shelling out. Yeah, I would I think, think, I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. I I would hope, or I would like, it'd be nice if some of the teams kind of went the route of, of Tigres and bring in bring in guys from Europe. Like that was so unexpected, and I just thought kind of cool. Or like there's actually like a French uh, NT players from the French uh, national team. Playing Liga MX, I, I just think that's pretty cool, and, and that that really well. lifts the 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 profile of the league more so than having Bella come back. No, I agree. It's uh, it's it's uh, it, it's been fun to watch him there, and he's been playing well. And you know, Tigres, uh, unfortunately for for a Pumas fan like me, I think are going to be the favorites to win the whole thing in the league. Yeah, but that's a topic for that is the topic for another day. Uh, anybody else have any comments on on Bella who? It turns out it's probably going to be playing that withdrawn for, uh, in this in this game as well. Oh, you know what? There's a chance he comes to LA. Remember, there's uh, another MLS team. LAFC, that's right. LAFC, uh, I think, uh, in 2018. Yeah, but that's. I mean, honestly, 2000. If he's 29, he can go to MLS when he's 29. I have no issue with that. You know, you know, these are the years where he's you know supposedly going to be at his best. Same with Giovanni, which is why it was such a disappointment for Giovanni to go to MLS. At this point in his career, it's just uh, been unfortunate for him. Yeah, you know what? The the U.S. fans sort of have, have lived through this, but a, on a much more personal level because their players are their players came from Europe um, to MLS, and and their younger players haven't quite shown or good enough to go to Europe yet. We have the benefit of having these younger players who are, you know, their mentality is a little different. They want to go to Europe. They want to test themselves. So. I'm kind of with you, John. I mean, if, if these guys decide to come to MLS after the World Cup in 2018, that's great. I mean, it makes sense, you know. And then, you know, whatever. But but right now, see, it seems like it doesn't seem like the right time for these guys to come here. Yeah, but, I mean, of course, if they, you know, drive a dump truck full of money and drop it oh, off in their driveway, I, you know, yeah. that's – but, you know, like I, but like I said, I mean, that's something that if, if Mexico wants to not have that happen, then, then the only way they can do that is to match it. But, you know, I wanted to add something. I think it's good to have a league 
that's gonna overvalue our players. It's better than having a player like like Ochoa, who is on a free transfer and no one wants to take him. Yeah, that was yeah. poor management on his part, to be honest. But he should have stayed in France. Yeah. but but I mean, I I think if it could open another market for Mexican players if they do good in MLS, you could you know you could see it in the future where there's more and more Mexican players in this league. I mean, it's either that or you're just going to have more Brazilians or Argentinians. You know, it's going to be funny, at least for me, if uh, they start uh, buying back their youth players that defect to Mexico and then they end up buying them back. Instead, well, of, giving them, instead of giving Bella, them chances. Yeah, when if Bella comes back, he's not going back to Chivas. I think we can pretty much all agree on that. No, I mean MLS. If the MLS, you know, they're, they're academy players, they're They've been defecting uh, to join academies in Mexico. Yeah, but, you know, none of them have, um, well, I mean, honestly, like, uh, I could see someone like Joe Corona getting a deal to come back to MLS at some point. He's been a pretty average player in Mexico. I mean, his first season with Tijuana, he was, you know, he came up with a team, and, he, they, you know, he was, a, he's a, he was a standout in that team. That's what led to him being called up to the Olympic team. But uh, even then, I mean. Yeah, he's definitely plateaued. He hasn't really grown much, and he's a player I could see MLS making a push for at some point. But uh, they're probably marketing guys. They're going to want to keep bringing in guys that are going to sort of put butts in seats. Yeah, well, they can definitely have him. Uh, <laughs> I, have no, I have no issue with that. No, but anyway, so uh, I guess we're, we'll conclude with uh, on Vela is that the chances are pretty high he'll come to MLS. Uh, Joel, you think that that's not necessarily a bad thing, which I I I can sort of see that. I think that oh, it's uh, yeah. I I think yeah. I think that that could mean more players, like like the clubs selling more players to MLS eventually. Now, well, especially well, you know, especially this league is you know there there's a lot of investors putting in a lot of money. The new LA team was bought for a hundred million. So, I mean, definitely that. Yeah, magic. magic and then why why wouldn't you want a piece of that? Why wouldn't you want to? Why wouldn't you want? Especially if you're a team that. You are a team like Calas or Pumas with good canteras. Why wouldn't you want to have another market that would pay good money right. for your talent? And then that that would mean more and more Mexicans playing. Or finally playing, right? Well, you know, that's actually yeah. a really good point, Julie, now that I'm thinking about it. Because, you know, you know, one thing that we talk about about and about the, the U teams is that, you know, where do they go after this? They don't have anywhere to go. Maybe MLS could be, you know, maybe... maybe See, this is why I think that both leagues need each other. They have, they have, whether they admit to it or not, they have, they have a symbiotic relationship. I think it can only get, uh, it's only going to get more uh, intertwined. So, so maybe MLS would be a good option for these guys to to, to go on loan. Like, uh, say, like this Garcia kid, you know, the the, the guy that from from uh, Chivas. Was he a Chivas? The Garcia number eight in the U17. Uh, Lopez. Lopez, that's what I'm thinking of, Lopez. Yeah, but Pachuca. there's also Salcedo and Cuba as pretty good examples. Yeah, and then there's also, uh, yeah, so if these guys, you know, if they can't get a sniff anywhere, then yeah, maybe MLS would be a good option for them. Hey, guys, uh, just to go back a little, that was my point kind of where, to me, it would, it would be ironic that, you know, they're not really giving, the uh, MLS doesn't give their own youth players chances, but, you know, once they make it in Mexico, they're making a name for themselves, they might... Now, you know, not just Joe Corona, but the guys that are actually playing for Mexico, uh, 
you know, there's a bunch of them in the Pachuca Academy. There's uh, some yeah, on the youth teams already. It's funny you mentioned now. that uh, the Dallas team right now, I think out of their 11 starters, like eight of them came up through their youth ranks. They're like a really young team. And a lot of them are, are like uh, like Colombian-American. Uh, you know, a lot of them are, are, you know, something slash American. You know, they're, they're definitely second-generation uh, second guys that are here. And it's, it's you know, they're... They've actually been fun to watch. I watched their game last night, and the yeah. little Mex the, the Mexican goalie, uh, Jesse won Gonzalez. On, yeah, one on penalties. It was great. It was. Uh, it, it was. Yeah, FC, FC Dallas is sort of like uh, the Pachuca version of MLS. Um, they don't. Um, I don't live in Texas. I know some of you guys do, but uh, it doesn't seem to be a market where they've been very successful or wanted to even be successful in drawing these bigger names. They've sort of taken a different route, and and. Um, Sort of been relying on their academy a lot more. So, I mean, that's that's I think to me, for 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 leagues on this side of the continent, it's 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 a winning proposition anyway. Um, you know, Hugo Sanchez in the league's first year played for the Dallas Burn. That's right. Because I went and saw a doubleheader. I saw Mexico Bolivia and then Dallas Burn played afterwards, and he scored on a chilena, which was fantastic. <laughs> of course he did. Uh, I saw him, I saw him score a, a shootout. I saw oh, him score a shootout. Shootouts, yeah. Juggled, yeah. He juggled the ball like you had to run with it, but he 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 juggled it a couple of times and then he just kicked it in. But that's uh, hilarious. He, you know, he he also played when he was young in the with the San Diego. The Aztecs. No, no, that was LA. San Diego. I don't know. The they soccer? were soccerers. Yeah. Oh yeah, soccerers. Yeah, as a youth player, he would he would do some of the. Pretemporada, I guess. Yeah, in the summer, right? That's right. I remember that. I remember being really upset. I was like, how can he be on the soccer? He was a boomer. What's going on? I didn't know. <laughs> okay, so let's, uh, uh, before we touch on Osorio one last time, let's let's talk a little guy, Mekis. Uh, Santos, Daniel, I'm sorry. You got to win at home if you have any chance to make the postseason. They didn't win at home. At least once, out. right? Yeah, yeah, at least once. At See, least and, one. I, and I can empathize because Pumas went like five years or whoever it was without winning at home, so I can. I'm you know, totally and I, I, honestly, I don't care uh, at this point. Um, I'll easily trade a throwaway season for a, for a, for a Liga every single time. So I'm all right being the the butt end of the jokes or the campeonitis, whatever you guys want to call it. Uh, it's, it's absolutely okay. The the fact that they won it last year um, that'll that'll hold me over for a while. All right, fair enough. So, so you're. But see, what's so great about about it for you is in 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 two months, you you have you have, you have a new chance. You right right back into it, because the Clausura starts in January. Chivas, they had their wonderful parade. Everyone was very happy. I know that you, uh, Joel and Juan, went down and watched the parade for their for their brilliant Copa MX title, and then they went and lost that unbelievably important game in the thing that really matters, the the relegation. Yeah. In the, in, in, in the last. The last possible minute, and that wouldn't have happened if Marco Fabian wouldn't have wouldn't have opened up his mouth. But there he was, arguing, fighting in the last minute. They gave him a little extra time, and they got the goal. You know, and, they stopped uh, Mark. I'm sorry, John. Go ahead. It, what frustrated me was watching these guys. They just they stopped marking the players during the during the corners. They gave up two corners. Well, they gave up more than two corners, but. 
you know, they gave up two corners and they resulted in goals. And basically, you could tell nobody marked anybody. They just kind of watched it. Hey, you know, they looked at each other, I guess. Hey, that was your man or something. Right. Just terrible. Yeah, it was uh, was very unfortunate for them. And, and this is what I don't understand. is like, why on earth, if you're in the relegation battle, knowing you're going to be in the relegation battle, you know, the, without you know, even before the draft, you know you're going to be in the middle of it, and you give the team that you're going to be battling with half, you know, four, four or five guys. I mean, how does that make any sense? That's uh, either that was Nestor de la Torre's uh, moves, or you know, he was in charge at the time. But there's, I guess, there's there's question whether Higuera was making some of the deals for him. I mean, I, I understand making deals, but don't give it to the, you know, that's. You know that, that that's like the Yankees trading the Red Sox a pitcher. You know, in mid-season, it's like it's like it, why on earth would you do they, that? They transferred like ten players, man, or 16. even more. It was sixteen. Sixteen total. But, but you know what? Yeah. You know what? Part of it was was um the salary cap um, because they had done some bad negotiations the prior seasons. There's a salary and, cap. Well, I mean, you know, you know <laughs> what I mean. You know what I mean? To to make room, I mean wages. You know, they they were spending a lot. No, on I understand. Player wages and and uh, you have I mean, players like like Angel Reina who who makes about two million a season. He's not even playing. And there so, are sixteen other teams you can negotiate with. That's that, that, that's my only. No one, no I understand one, that. no one wanted Reina though. <laughs> and uh, so I mean, they they really did need money, and and we talked about this last podcast. Chivas has been hurting financially, so so that's another big reason you you need to. Um... No, I mean I I understand it. I understand that, and and it's you know it's very unfortunate that they're in the in the middle of all that, and they really I have a hard time understanding how a team like that can put themselves in that kind of situation. Well, you know what, and and this is something uh, we talked about with Ronnie about because Chivas is also part of Only Life. So I mean, we don't know what what happens with the money Chivas gets from TV deals. That's How terrible. Much, you know what what gets put where. That is bad business. And, and you know another thing I, I wanted to to mention was, I don't think Chivas was aiming for the Copa MX. You know I think Almeida saw the cup. He he gunned for it and he won it, but I don't think that was in the club's plans to. Uh, to to fight for it because even last season they used they just used the reserves to to play the cup. No, I mean not. And you know, Copa Mekis, I mean that's what most teams do. I don't think that you know. I mean, as you get closer, you know, deeper into the tournament, you know, you're going to see teams that play more and more starters, and you know, you see that in the League Cup in England and the the DFB Pokal and all these other cups, the Copa Rey, the same way. So you know, I think that that that's perfectly normal, um, and I'm sure no, that for, no, it is, for me that. Yeah, but if you have a limited squad, do you want to do that? Well, I mean, let's, let's they talk were, about. They were using the. I'm Go sorry, on. they were using the reserve. Uh, they were using the backup players for most of the tournament, right? Only it was only the, the final, and he didn't use like the whole, the whole first team. I just want to say that in this game against Dorados in particular, yes, it's true that that. Uh, Fernando Arce had a very good game, but but uh, let's be honest. I mean, that's that's almost that's almost revisionist. And to be honest, uh, it's the same idea of, of saying Omar Bravo should be with the national team right now because he's having a good season. 
Fernando Arce's time with Chivas came and went, and uh, just because he had a good game, coincidentally in this game versus Chivas, it doesn't mean that you know they should look to bring him back or that it was a mistake to let him go. No, no, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a mistake to let him go. I understand you wanting to get rid of your players. All I'm saying is don't give it to the team that you're going to be in direct competition with in order for you to. Well, no, to I, stay I, I think the drop. That someone mentioned this on a forum today. I think I was reading the Chivas forum, and uh, it might have actually been one. Uh, they sh league I actually do the same thing that that the European leagues do when it comes to players that are loaned out. They shouldn't be allowed to play versus a team that owns their their, their rights. Uh, I think that's I think it's a sensible thing to do because then things like this can be avoided. Where you know um, a lot of the talk about yesterday, and Juan is right. They 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 sort of slacked on the defending a little bit, and and that's all it took for for Dorados to uh, to tie the game and then subsequently you know win. Well, it was uh, very unfortunate for them. I mean, obviously. Uh, it's going to be, and and they, and they have to deal with this again next year too, don't they? I mean, they're they're not out of the woods yet. I mean, they, at least, yeah, at least the next year, the, probably at least the next two or three tournaments. Oof. Yeah, Thomas this Boy. Is, this is a long-term yeah. thing for Chivas. Thomas Boy was talking about this. Thomas Boy and uh, I was saying it in English. <laughs> um, he said because he was with Atlas, and he says it takes about three years to get out of the relegation zone, to to get enough points. Uh, well, an Atlas coach would know. There's no doubt. And uh, he, yeah, I think she has been at it for a good 1.5 years. See, and, and, and this is why that it's just completely ridiculous that they have this three-year thing. I mean, I'm sorry, but it's just, it just, there's no need for it. There, there's just no need for it. If if your team has a bad season, then guess what? You had a bad season. You better hope like hell you can avoid the drop. You know, in May, in in the games in May, it happens. You know. Uh, you know what I wanted to add is uh, what I noticed about Almeida at first. You know, he was getting like a lot of hype, and uh, obviously Joely, <clears throat> it was bothering Joely because he thought it was a bit revisionist. But uh, watching the the last couple games, uh, you know, Isaac Brizuela and Marco Fabian, they look very subdued. Like uh, they don't, they don't, you know, under under Chepo, they looked a lot more dynamic. Even though Chepo's obviously, uh, you know, the team approaches the game very differently. And I just found it interesting that these guys, they're, <clears throat> they're not able to have the impact on the game that they should. And, you know, on the other end, though, uh, David Ramirez, he looks he looks like a more mature player. He's not, you know, stepping on the ball and tripping over it like before. Yeah, I think some players under Almeida have, I think notably the, the younger players, the really younger players, have sort of found a rhythm that they can operate under uh, when it comes to Almeida and, and the, the performance of the team, whereas some of the players that you think are a little more established, like Brizuela, for example, like you mentioned, are players that haven't been quite as good or have shown what we expect from them. So it is a bit of an interesting sort of thing that's happening there, but I do feel it's circumstantial too. I think that Brizuela, for example, is a player that uh, a lot has been made of the money that Chivas paid for him, and I think that, you know, it's only natural that he's going to feel that kind of pressure because, unfortunately, these players are carrying the pressure individually but also collectively regarding the team's results and where they stand in the, uh, you know, in the relegation battle. So um, that's why someone like, like Omar Bravo has been so crucial because, you know, he's, a, he's older, he's a veteran, he knows how to handle this kind of thing, and he knows how to perform 
under this kind of pressure. So, uh, you know, ideally you can find a balance there between the younger guys, the, the you know, the, the mid-20s guys, and the veterans, but Chivas doesn't have that right now. I mean, as far as veterans go, you have pretty much Carlos Alcido, Omar Bravo, and that's it. And one of the one of those two is having a great season, and the other one should have really retired at least a year ago. Hey, but uh, Brizuela stepped in uh, last, uh, I get this confused, what was it, Clausura? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he had a great season, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Other than, other than the injury, so... I mean, I don't specifically think it's the, uh, you know, the situation, the relegation. It might be more the instability in the club, you know, and the whole uh, that the players asked for Reina to get kicked off the team, you know, things like that. I think, you know, coaching changes, they're probably affecting him more than, you know, I guess it all adds up, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's not just that. I mean, the... You know the fact that you know Vergara's his his hands are tied right now. He can't sell the club. He can't. You know he 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 certainly can't get re, you know relegated. He can't do anything. It's just it's it's just. I mean I feel I really honestly I feel bad for you guys because fans should have to deal with that, especially uh, uh, you know a, a team that has you know the, the the kind of following and tradition that Chivas has. It's just it's just it's just it's 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 and it's and it's bad for the league because you know when you know when Chivas is bad then. You know, you know, the league is better when when Chivas is good, when America is good, when when Pumas is good. You know, when one of the Monterey teams is good. You know, it's uh, yeah, exactly. It's just, it, it, it's, <laughs> Don't forget it's about Poland. I mean, Cruz Azul. <laughs> Poland. It's uh, yeah. So anyway, so I mean, I I really do feel bad for you guys. I hope that they can, uh, you know, you know, once it all gets worked out, that that Vergara either sells the team, and, you know, gives it somebody that actually knows what they're doing. And Chivas can get back to where they belong, which is winning a championship every ten years. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And the Podologas, right? Almeida's got some nice yeah. hair. Podologas for everybody. Come he, on. He has the South American Melena, man. It's hilarious. It's like that's great. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Getting all the getting all the chicas. All right, so let's uh, let's uh, wrap it up with uh, with our last topic, which. Uh, is uh, we can jump a bit more into Juan Carlos Osorio, and you know, I'm, I'm trying to understand uh, what is so terrible about him. Actually, you know, knowing stuff, you know, being book smart. The uh, some of the agents of the press seem to think that that's just like the worst possible thing a human being could have. Don't understand the press sometimes. Uh, you know, they're talking about him. You know, they, they, I guess Layun. Uh, he said that he's gonna he'd prefer his players to play on the natural side of the field. Uh, I guess that that's that's how his style works, which well, I, it's, I, I it's, guess uh, I understand. But it's it's not all the players because today in his, the press conference today, he talked specifically about three players. He said Vela Aquino were two players that he could see playing on the opposite flank to their natural foot, um, whereas someone like Jurgen Dam, he thinks is a player that's better suited to play on that on a side that favors his natural foot. So, in that sense, I think he understands, and he also said specifically that, um, you know, he's also aware of the fact that uh, there are things that have been working within the the, the, the the national team that he doesn't really want to mess with because even if they don't necessarily align with 
his own personal beliefs and what he wants to do long term. At the moment, he doesn't really want to start tinkering with some of those things because they have been working. Uh, which is to say that at least now, we shouldn't expect a lot of changes aside from probably Lajun playing on the right and Jorge Torres Nilo playing on the left. Um, but long term, that could be a different story. But um, I don't think it's as cut and dry as the press wants to make it out to be. All of a sudden, it's like there's like this cognitive dissonance where like the press doesn't remember that Lajun had a pretty bad tournament during the Gold Cup playing on the left. And it was something that was harped on every single game. I mean, it was. It wasn't. Doesn't matter if it was Martinoli or or the guys at, uh, at at Televisa or even the guys on Univision. We all saw it. We all saw the Miguel Ajun, uh For some reason, I don't know if it was by tactical design or not. Nearly every offensive play ended on the feet of Layun, and it was rarely executed well or well enough to really complete the play. So having Layun on the opposite side on the right with the task of trying to get to the end line and put a cross in, it's really not changing a lot. And and, and, and it really isn't something that's really that far-fetched that it should be causing controversy. Well, I think it's just because he scored two goals this week. With, no, and that's, uh, that's, that's fine. That's yeah, fine. You're right, though. I, mean, I was thinking about that, about Lyon being on the left and thinking, well, when, when did he ever shoot and when did he ever score? And he got one against New Zealand, didn't he? And that was it. Or he got came close. I forget what it he was. He got two against Israel, if you guys remember that. Uh, That's what it was. Yeah, I knew. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, which the goalie was sort of a. He pretty much contributed to both goals. I, I just personally, I feel like it's one of those things where the press doesn't have anything to talk about because this is a guy that, yes, like he came out of nowhere, more or less, to be the national team coach, but there's not enough of a background on him where they can sort of go at him. And they did it at first by hanging him out to dry because he, he has left. Uh, a lot of teams before his contract uh, expires or whatever. But now, you know, they're, they're, now they're going after him, like you said, because he's he's a guy who likes to read books and be prepared. Like, that's a bad yeah, thing. Exactly. Leaving before your contract like expires seems perfect for uh, Mexico. Well, I mean, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, let's be honest. That makes know? sense, dude. Good move. Good move. I think I think uh, Ronnie was making a comment on t on Twitter earlier that uh, he didn't like the way he was sort of pitting the players against each other. Like um, after uh, Aguilar gets gets uh, better, he said, "Okay, it's going to be Aguilar and Layun fighting for that spot." Why is that the problem? And then, yeah, but, yeah, why is that a problem? I mean, you want you want competition. It's competition, right? yeah. It's like uh, the whole Ronnie has brought this up that he didn't like uh, under La Volpe where he made uh, Oswaldo was the untouchable goalkeeper. Which kind of Osorio did that with Memo, by the way. But anyways, you know, and suddenly nobody could challenge Osvaldo for the for the starting goalkeeper spot, you know. And uh, hey, I guess hey, Juan, uh, the reports yeah. are saying that uh, Talavera will start tomorrow. Oh really? Yeah. Interesting. That's what Tom said. I think. So I'll that means, uh, you know, so he's, he's, I guess there's competition. Hey Memo, you know, you're on notice. It's so really spot, assuming that Leon is only going to be playing on the right, or if he plays at all. Well, Aguilar is injured right now, but you know what? I'm thinking uh, uh, Osorio might surprise us and start uh, Lopez. There's no chance. At Azteca, I could maybe see that. Maybe. Uh, because he also spoke about Leon playing in the midfield as an interior, so 
which is coincidentally Miguel Ayun's performance during the Gold Cup was pretty below average until the final 30 minutes, 25 minutes of the final where, where Piojo took out Guardado and slid Miguel Ayun into the midfield. And all of a sudden, it's like it was like complete clarity for Ayun. He was every pass was on point. He knew when to run. He knew when to draw back and help defend. Despite the fact that at that point the game was you know more or less finished, but his performance in the midfield, I think, sort of you know he's a very versatile player, and I think that um, that's gonna that's what's gonna keep him in the fold. You know, despite the fact that he's a good player. His ability to play multiple positions is going to be obviously more. You know, it's going to be good for him. Yeah, and he but plays in the midfield at Porto, doesn't he? I mean, isn't he? Isn't he? Then he replaced Herrera, basically just on the left. Well, no, he's playing. In, he's playing as a fullback in Porto. Oh, he is. But, okay, I thought he was a midfielder for some reason. But I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't. He played as a midfielder with uh, Watford. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point um, Osorio does end up using like you in the midfield uh, because he gives. It's it's amazing that you know it's a, a simple you know Osorio likes to build teams where he doesn't have to make he doesn't have to make three subs or, or two subs to change a tactical scheme he can simply take out one player and move another one or two players into different positions and then a- automatically have a completely different approach within the game and then you still have two subs left or another sub left so I think it's a very interesting thing that he wants to do and players like Miguel Ayun are what is going to help him do that. And and to a le- to a lesser extent, I think Denos Lopez as well because he can play in the midfield, uh, or he can play in defense. You know, so he can I mean, also honestly, play a yeah, striker. I wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised if he does play him. Hey, Dedos, he can also play striker. Man, I'm yeah. happy for I'm happy for Dedos. I think he, he totally deserves it. You know, if, if he comes on, I, I just I just don't see uh, playing Dedos in in a, just because he's never played an official match. Uh, uh, like a qualifying match, or you know, you know for, for Mexico. That's why I don't necessarily think that he'll come on as you know play as a starter. But I think he'll definitely play. You know, yeah. I, I could definitely see him coming in the second half of El Salvador. Uh, he would. He would be playing against players that haven't had official games. Well, I mean, I understand what I'm saying is that I just think that compared to like a Layun or Jorge Torres Nilo, you know, guys that have played, and and I just I just don't see the, the coach in the first time. You know, pulling a Sven and going, yeah, we're going to go with Chichari with, uh, with Vela and Gio in my, my first game. Yeah. Two 18-year-old kids at the Azteca. You, you know what? I, I, think, I think that was imposed on him. I don't know. I don't know, I, man. I, don't I think he, he was. I think he, he, was, he's a, he was a big fan of Vela and Gio. And that was a game um, against Honduras in which, uh, you know, in true Mexico fashion, Mexico started, like, really well. And after about 15, 20 minutes... Uh, we lost all momentum, and uh, I think I think both Gio and Vela ended up getting subbed out at some point because they just they couldn't find their feet in that game. But uh, this is a different situation, and let's remember that Osorio does not come with any preconceived notions about the player pool. Because if this was Herrera or even Chepo, I would agree with you. I, I wouldn't see any of those two coaches taking those kinds of risks. But Osorio, he just might. We he just might. Who knows? I, I, I just think I think he's going to be kind of like Tuca in the sense that I don't think that he's going to I think that he's going to manage his risk uh, a little bit more cautiously than 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 one might otherwise expect. It, didn't he say also that 
I think I heard from you guys a quote that he's not going to change anything that's been working. Although he's got like his, you know, his, his ideals that okay, this is this is what we prefer. But we understand, hey, we don't have time to to work with these guys too much, and so we're going to stick with. What, so you know, the team might even come out very similar to the way they played uh, the Confed uh, playoff. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I agree with that. No, yeah. it was funny because uh, the what's the guy named Trini? Maradriaga. El Primi Maradriaga. El Primi, El Primi. I thought he was the monstruo. Wasn't he the monstruo at one point, too? Well, the Primi is uh, it's short for Primitivo, which I think is a terrible nickname, <laughs> and it's incredibly <laughs> offensive. Uh, but but I, I don't even know what else to say about that. Hey, man, yeah. uh, I, I, will, I will give him credit. The dude's been around for a while. Uh, you know, He knows what he's doing. Yeah, and he's not and a his worker. thing was, well, we're going to take advantage of, of guys being out of position. I'm sort of thinking, who is going to be out of position? I mean, yeah, just, I don't think there's, you understood no that very well. No, you're right. Uh, he, he misread that because there's no way that, um, uh, at least not short term. I don't think Osorio, like we, like you know, Juan just said, and like we've been talking about. I don't think he's going to really take those kinds of risks. I think he he might be more willing to take risks on the players themselves, on some players playing some players, like Dedos or. Or even Jurgen Dam, but uh, tactically speaking, and, and and the way that that, that you know the, the team played against the U.S., I think we're going to see something similar to that in the first game. Yeah. One, one comment on the uh, on the guys on the right foot on the right side, the guys that run a straight line really speedy like Jurgen Dam. Uh, when you get to the end line and you're running fast, you're not going to be able to cross it well if it's not if it's not your primary foot. So for that, I, I sort of do understand why Jurgen Dam would always be on the right and why possibly Layun would, would be taken off the left because if he gets down on the... His goal against uh, recently that he scored was because they were, you know, they had... They were on the offensive third and he just cut back and scored with his right, right. foot. But if he's running down the sideline and it's coming up to the end line, he's not going to get a good shot or a cross off with his left, which I think we've seen plenty of times. Well, if there's somebody that knows how to cross the ball, and if, and if, if that's what, uh, what Osorio's looking for, then I kind of agree with Juan. I mean, Dedos Lopez is, I mean, the guy, his service is unbelievable. I mean, he puts just, just gorgeous yeah. ball. It's really on the run. Yeah. wasn't mentioned, the... I mean, Torres Nilo, I, I don't know. I, I really don't like him personally, at least not. For, and especially when, when thinking about how they cross the ball, I think Andrete crosses the ball better than anybody. But if that's yeah, really Torres what Nilo's he's looking a, for. He's a defensive guy. He's, he's there to play defense. He's not there, yeah, he's there to, to lock there to it down. Ball, but, yeah. but, but Dan has a point. I mean, Torres Nilo's not a bad cross for the ball, but, but I, I, would, I would put my money on Andrete any day of the week over Torres Nilo in that sense. And Torres Nilo will probably play against Honduras, I would expect. Well, I think what Osorio wants to avoid is um, sort of, you know, he knows that the teams are going to sort of bunker down and, and force us to, to break them down. He doesn't want a sort of a repeat of what happened in the Gold Cuppers when we sort of, you know, sort of camp out in the opposing half and knock the ball around and then get to the wings and, and do, you know, a lot of passing before you cross it in, giving the other team a chance to sort of settle and be able to deal with the crosses. He wants early crosses into the box on the run, much like uh, like what Deus is, is, is capable of doing, you know? A, a filtered pass into, into his path and then look up, maybe take a touch, and then just swing it in. That's where um, Chicharito and Raul Jimenez would thrive with that kind of service in the air. And it also 
prevents the opposition from having time to settle down and and you know sort of get the bunker down uh, efficiently. I mean, whether or not I mean you know we're talking about it, but when it comes to executing, that's that's going to be a different story. We're going to see how this comes out on Friday, which you know he's going to have the whole week to 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 practice this and be with the team, but. You know, I don't know how if that's enough time to really expect any major, major changes. I can't. Uh, go ahead, Juan. No, I, I was just gonna. Divert. This is the first time these guys meet. Uh, some of these guys meet Osorio, right? As a, as a group, and they're together. That's gonna be interesting for me. I just wonder if there's gonna be any curfew issues or if he's gonna try, try to crack down on any kind of that stuff. I don't think he care. I mean, I mean, I don't know. It just seems to me like that that stuff is for is for the is for the U levels. Marco Fabian that wasn't important. called up, was he? Does strike me like it's by <laughs> thing is beneath him. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like, it's like he's like, like these guys these guys are professionals. Act like a professional, then have to worry yeah. about it. Yeah. Mark, exactly. Marco Fabian didn't bring the liquor. <laughs> uh, or no, Marco Fabian can bring liquor to my house anytime he wants. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, don't I, will, I will party with him any any day of the week. I don't understand all the talk about discipline. I mean, uh, nearly pretty much every press outlet has has been on its kick about discipline and the fact that the team needs discipline off the field. I don't really, you know, and I, 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 you know, as a fan, I don't really care what they do because all I really care about is what they do on the field. I don't care if they're partying after the game, you know, with or without, you know, women or, you know, ambiguous women. It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, yeah, like, you know, for lack of a better example, I don't really care, man. I don't really care what these guys do. As long as they get on the field and they play well and, they, you know, at least they, they, they put in the effort, you know. No, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, you know, and, and it's funny because, you know, guys might have a reputation that they're partiers. Probably not. And then it's, you know, it's usually like the really quiet guys that don't. You know, necessarily have a public persona. They're probably an, you know, but just you know, animals. You know, you just you just never know. And well, unless they drink. I, and drive. I agree with you. I mean, I, I well, okay, but I mean, if they commit a crime, I could see that. But nah, I mean, I, 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 I guess I just, I probably, I just, I just don't care. Just be a professional. Take care of the stuff you need to take care of, and you know. Uh, yeah, and, Pajaro, and, Picon, and Pajaro Picon posted a. Uh, El Salvador might line up uh, 4 4 1 1. Yeah. Harley. Um, nice sound effects, dude. <laughs> I'll have yeah, sound we, effects we, next time. We're moving on up. Um, it makes sense. I've, I expected some variation of a 4 5 1 or a 4 4 2. Just, you know, defensive uh, minded. Um, the three-man midfield comes into play here, especially with the wide, wide players, because the there's not going to be a lot of room to, to operate centrally. And uh, I think that he could, you know, he might even start, you know, Sodi might even throw out two forwards, you know, Jimenez sent Chicharito out there. Who knows? Well, there's, there's no question he's going to, I mean, I think he's going to go, uh, uh, we have uh, a line of four, and then I have two, like Gallito and you know, Guardado, you know, to kind of... And then he'll play with either Peña or Vela in front of them and then have three forwards. But that's honestly what I'm expecting. Yeah, that's what I was thinking also. Yeah. Hey, Peña's I, probably the better option because um, he's having he's been having a good season and he's been playing as a sort of like that withdrawn forward with Leon and, and he's been doing it quite well. 
Um, I, I think that he could go with Pena over Vela. That's a, that's just a personal opinion. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I mean, but again, in Honduras, I think it'll be totally, totally different. Yeah, that's right. So that's going to be the real test. Absolutely. Although these young these young guys might have a lot of passion going out there trying to prove themselves, so that might be. I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna miss the game. I'm gonna be flying to uh, St. Thomas with my with my lovely wife. Wow! 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 Congratulations. Well, uh, well, uh, it's a, it, it, it's it's a working trip. I have a couple of games. <laughs> but uh, your sombrero this time, dude. Man, that was rough. You um, are you gonna DVR the game or what? Are you gonna be bad? Uh, well, that is the second. I mean, that's what I'm going to miss is the second game. Oh, the Honduras game. Oh, okay, yeah, the okay. first one. The first one, I'll be in Pittsburgh, uh, watching the. Uh, I'll watch the. I think I'll be. Or actually, I'll be in. Where the hell am I going to be? Bridgeport, West Virginia. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Oh, it sounds terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck finding. We always try to find a Mexican place wherever we go. I think we finally might strike out. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Yeah. That's kind of south. South. It's uh, it's south of Morgantown, even so. <laughs> oh, man. So I'll find Salvadorian place. I mean, I know that we'll probably talk about this more later in the week, but uh, I mean, do, do we think that Mexico will win against El Salvador handily, or is it going to be, or are we going to have no nails left by the end of it because they're going to squeeze you, know, just barely squeeze by one nut? I'll and tell you this: I don't expect El Salvador to lay down. But I feel like I feel like uh, because it's a young team. I, again, they're probably going to be somewhat eager to prove themselves. But I feel like once the Mexico scores the first goal, their morale will drop, and then we have a chance to score at least a couple more. I'm going to go with a three-zero prediction. I think that sounds about right. I mean, I, I, to, to, they have to score in the first 20 minutes, or at least get one in the first half. If they can get one in the first half, then I think it'll be. I think it'll be a, a very comfortable win. If they have to wait till the second half to score, then then that's when things get a little uh, get a little dicey. I think everybody seems pretty comfortable that that they'll pull off a win against El Salvador. But I think Honduras, I think, probably poses the more uh, the bigger question, I guess, the bigger no, question mark. But you know, I, I I don't think this is the, you know they don't have the the Mexico's killer, which is uh, costly. He's not playing anymore. Yeah, and, but it's uh, still the way um, in that. In that crazy place, um, I, I, I think um, I don't think getting a draw would be necessarily a bad thing. Oh no, I, I, I would be totally thrilled with a draw. There's no question. You but, know, uh, go ahead. Last time they were there, uh, they went up to zero. Yeah, we were and, and Massa yeah. messed it up at the end. So well, the I ref think, gave a cheap penalty anyway, but absolutely, it's just easier to blame Massa, you know. Yeah, but the yeah, worst yeah, part yeah. for me of that game was that Guadalajara gets kicked in the face in the area. Yeah, and, and, nothing. and, and nothing. I mean, nothing. kicked in the face. <laughs> not sure. Not sure what happened there. Well, the ref, you know, whatever. I mean, I mean, even even then, I mean, it wasn't. A, I mean, I, I was. I remember being disappointed, but I was like, well, it's not a bad result. We haven't. We hadn't won in Honduras in something like you know. I don't know, like. Uh, 13, 14 years, something like that. It was 20 years. Yeah, something crazy like that. So I mean, at the end of the day, a point is a point. But you know, that was that was following the Jamaica game, which was extremely disappointing anyway. And 
we should have seen what was coming, man. I mean, I remember having a weird feeling about that. Oh, was dude, I totally saw. Well, I mean, after that, there was there was no question. I mean, I was talking to a buddy of mine. I was like, I was like Mexico, the only way Mexico makes the World Cup is if they go through the playoff because, yeah, you know, I mean, it was. I mean, the writing was on the wall. I mean, there was no. It was. I mean, it started to happen even at the end of the of, of the quad when they would play. Uh, they played Costa Rica, and then uh, was it uh, Guyana or whatever that Grenada, whoever that team was in Houston. Yeah, just they labored through those games, yeah. and we won all of them. But it was still like ah, you're sort of waiting to see. It was like at one point with Chepo, it was like every, even the friendly games, you just you tune in to see because you're hoping to see something different, and nothing ever came of it. You know, I feel bad for Chepo because I mean, I know I know he got fired, but it just it was like just this 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 avalanche of of just of just really bad stuff happening. His players, just all all of them, just going into a massive funk. Uh, not just, was, not just for Mexico. I always wondered about that because they started off so well under him. Yeah. And I was like one of the last ones to, to finally say, all right, he needs to go. I was probably literally the last person. Um, yeah. I'm they, with you. Know, it was such a weird one where I was like, I just figured they were eventually going to bounce out of it and figure it because they played so well under him. Um, and But, yeah, it just completely fell apart. Yeah. It was completely fell off. I mean, I remember reading uh, uh, not the – Zonal marking, but the guy that does it for for SI, I forget what his name is. Maybe Ben Littleton, a British guy, really good. He wrote it. He wrote the game about the Mexico Italy game at the Confed Cup. And he's like, he's like, I have no idea what Mexico's trying to do. He says, he says, yeah. there's a good, there's a good team in there, but they are just completely lost right now. And yeah, it, was just, was it was just, good. it was unfortunate. And Mexico, you know, if 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 if, if they don't have that slump, then you know, it's just, it's just, it's just weird how things happen like that. That was a team that would fall apart the moment that they got scored on. There was you, know, you never felt yeah. there was going to be any reaction, and and we with with that's one of the biggest things that Herrera did with his team is, um, they had a fight to them. They had you know they there was there was some there was a chip on the shoulder for the team, and even though he's he's gone now, I feel like that experience helped to sort of mold the group, this current group, and um, I, I mean. Like I said, I mean, I, whenever they go out and play, I mean, you you can expect uh, at the very least a very very good effort from the team, you know. And that's half the battle, really. And don't think for a minute that Osorio didn't have a chip on his shoulder. I mean, if y'all know his backstory, that dude has a oh sure he has sure. had to fight for everything. He's he is not. Yeah. And you, you know, know what? But, but the key is for him to be able to translate that to the players, you know. And, and well, I don't think you have a problem with that. Uh, I, I agree. With you. I agree with you 100. percent I mean, and 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 and, it's, and that's why it's like you know, are, are you born into it, or do you have, did you have to fight your way in? And I, and it seems like I don't know, maybe maybe I'm just making a just a vague generalization, but it seems like Mexico does better under coaches where you know the the coach has had to you know work his way into it instead of a a coach or that that's been. You know that the, because of you know who he was or who his father was or whatever it was you know that had like a like a like another like an inside track into into having a career in the sport. Just my personal yeah. opinion. Yeah, Chepo Chepo was uh, obviously a well prepared coach, but um, but I feel like there's 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 a disconnect between him and his ideas in his head into the way he translated that uh, over to the players because when he took over for Chivas. Um, they were playing much like the national team was at its worst. I mean, it was just labored, and you know, it was all very rigid. And, and I think that the players get tired of that eventually. And you know, 
it, without causing a revolt, quote unquote, is just you don't feel it on the field. You see the players sort of start tuning out, and and uh, the pressure just just sort of intensifies. I don't, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't agree ahead, with that, dude. I, I don't agree. Ahead, I mean, he has the results to back him up. He has three Liga MX titles. I, I think what happened with the national team. Because it was, it basically was all in one year. It was in 2013. And I think it was an accumulation of things, not just like tactics, but it was, it was. You lost some players that in the previous World Cup were uh, had been key players, like uh, uh, Barrera, Pablo Barrera, and uh, Juarez, and I, I can't believe I can't remember the other guy's name. Vela. Yeah. And the guy that broke his leg, who was he playing Cruz Azul? Oh, uh, Andrade. Edgar Andrade. There was, no, there's another one. I think you already mentioned Barrera. Jerry Flores. Jerry Flores? No. No, no, Jerry. no it, was, it was three three, three players. Uh, it was a midfielder. Uh, Torrado? No, Torrado. Well, see, that, that oh. was... I've mentioned them before, but um, just just going past that, he lost, he lost a couple players through injury that... Those yeah, guys never, you know never recovered. Yeah, and, but he also he, he failed to transition because when he well, when he lost Barrera, he could have relied on Diaz Hernandez, who has been one of the most consistent players over the last five years in Liga MX, and he's a, from the same generation as Gio and Vela and Barrera are, and he did end up using Elias Hernandez a little bit, but but then he opted to move Gio out of the forward position to the wings again, and and it didn't work, and. And and he even even with the Olympic medal winners, he still didn't really translate a lot of those players to the national team. That could have been sort of a, a, a spark, you know. He used he used Guri Pena and he used Hector Herrera um, against El Salvador uh, in the fall of 2000. I think it was a fall of 2012. Uh, but then he when, when it came down to it, he chose to stick with with Carlos Alcido, uh, Gerardo Torrado, Massa. You know, and and you know he sort of chose to rely on the older players, and uh, unfortunately, it didn't really come through for him because they weren't what the team needed. The team needed some dynamic sort of spark plugs, and he didn't know he just didn't know where to look for them. And when he did look for them, he ended up choosing the wrong players. And so, well, I mean, hey, you know what? Go ahead. Wait, I'm just the other guy. Go on. Gio, sorry, sorry, Joey. Gio, he's not a stranger to playing on the wings, dude. That's where he started with Barca. That's no, where no, he was. I know. I know, and he started with Chepo at the wings too. But but when he but but it was a move out of desperation, under the pressure cooker, and it, it whatever for whatever reason it just didn't work, and 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 that's one of the many reasons why he ended up getting canned anyway. Absolutely, it didn't it didn't work. But I think if you have Barrera, right, he's the guy on the wing. He's 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 doing well, and your choice is Elias Hernandez or Gio, who has played there. He's a very dynamic. Uh, player that can create a lot of uh, scoring opportunities for your team, for himself, or maybe for other players at times. Uh, I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer. You put Gio there. But, you know, sure. Was no, it, was, it wasn't a bad decision. It was just it ended up being not the right one. The biggest issue for Chepo was the, the, just the fact, that, and, and Joel and I, we've talked about this before, is that it wasn't just Gio or, or Chicharito. Or, I mean, it was, it was like seven or eight guys, and all of them just were just in a, in a massive funk. And and unfortunately for Chepo, he just he, he stuck he, with he kept yeah he stuck he kept pressing, which I can respect. But it's like, dude, if you're if if you're playing well, 
I mean, the, the guy will understand if, if you pull him. You know, I mean, it's like, dude, I, I get it. We're trying to win this game. You know, John, they, they interviewed uh, Busetich about, you know, not too long ago, and they asked mm-hmm. him about the national team, and he talked about because he called up, he basically called up the same squad. And uh, the Federación felt at that point that a lot of those players were, you know, there was even talk at one point of just taking the, the America players to the World Cup. And, uh, yeah, he was saying how, how like, even against New Zealand, you, you could have, we could have won that game with the under 20. So he had, he had some uh, gripes there. He, he did feel that the Federation lost a lot of hope on some of these players. Yeah, because cause did he say in the interview that the that the players were just, uh, like 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 he saw them like they were just like totally lost and just they they weren't themselves and he said that like the team was in complete disarray when he showed up and th- am, I, am I making this up or 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 or, or, or did he say that? What uh, was this- it? Teach? Yeah, this was like maybe like right after he'd gotten canned when he gave uh, a couple interviews and he, I mean he was furious. He's like, you know. Yeah, it was the, you guys for me. I mean, the team after losing to the U.S. when when Tena took over for that one game. I mean, you could tell the players just the players were shot emotionally, just completely emotionally drained. So uh, at that point, I think many of us knew that qualification was <clears throat> at least direct qualification was pretty much off the table. And after losing in Costa Rica, where Chicharito sort of fumbled that goal. And his facial expression pretty much said it all. I mean, we, you know, which was all really compounded by Martinoli's rant during the uh, <clears throat> the USA Panama game. Uh, during that, uh, you know, actually that the same Costa Rica game, uh, nobody, <laughs> nobody at that point I mean, is like, can things get worse? You know, it's going to get worse if we don't go to the World Cup. And I think for for a solid 15 minutes there, 12, 15 minutes, we all have to, we all had to sort of come. You know, come to terms with the fact that yeah, there was yeah. Believe me, I, I remember sitting in my apartment saying, "Well, okay, well, this is not that bad. I mean, it's just the World Cup. We're gonna, shit, we're not." I was I was spazzing out. Gen- yeah, I was. Uh, Gen- gentlemen, uh, something I wanted to mention um, was, you know, going back to the Gold Cup and seeing how a lot of the Mexican media went against the team for those penalty kicks that they argued they were gifted to us. Right. Yeah. And going into the World Cup, we had two crucial games where there was, you know, there was a soft penalty against Honduras and then the penalty that John mentioned against Guardado. But against the U.S. and at Azteca, there were two clear penalties. Yeah. They weren't, they weren't called. And I think right there we lose, we lost right there. Like, what, what was it? You know, four points. No, four was, points yeah, that yeah. we lose. You know, it was ended up being two draws. Right. But, um, it's amazing how how things like that. I've always wondered about what would have happened if in the in the 2009 U.S. game that played in Columbus when uh, when Sven was the coach, if Gio scores in the in the in the third minute when he had a oh, yeah, chance. the first play he goes yeah. in and I think did it hit the post maybe or just yeah. went wide? I don't so, remember. Yeah, so I wonder what would have happened if Mexico beats Honduras instead of tying two two and like Jolie says, if if they beat the U.S. and they get the six points and they put their their campaign totally back on track. You know, what, 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 do you think Chepo would have survived, Jolie? Yeah. You well, you know what? I I think I think the Federacion, and I also think the coaching. I think they got overconfident, just seeing just seeing how they had been dominating, 
And I think it was another mistake was playing three World Cup qualifying games in one week. And, uh, you know, well, you have players coming have from a problem. Huh? What? We're going to have the same problem uh, in 2017 because uh, that was because of the Confederations Cup. And that was just poor planning on part of CONCACAF and, and the Mexican Federation. I hope they, 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 they are now thinking about hopefully doing things differently two years from now. Well, yeah, you have a squad that is based heavily abroad, and then you, you bring them and you send them to the Caribbean. You have them playing in Panama, then Jamaica. So I think that was a big part when Mexico finally goes home and they're playing against Costa Rica, who they, they had beaten Costa Rica twice in the, in the previous round. But hey. to, to me, that by that time, the team was gassed. Is the Copa America going to be um, kind of uh, causing a bit of a, of a like kind of like a, a traffic jam of, a game, of matches? No, because the, uh, the 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 only games that they're going to have on the on the official schedule are they have the two games in March where they have to go to Canada and then play Canada at home, yeah, uh, or or however we I guess that's our play Canada at oh. home and it's out on the road, and then in November. Uh, no, no, no. And that's it. So, so they'll have nothing. The, they'll have nothing in June. No, I think the two games in March are against Canada, home and away. Oh, are they? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna oh. say I'm pretty yeah. sure. Whatever we know, how, you know, whoever it is. But anyway, so they have those two, and then they have the two in November. So there's nothing in between. So the Copa América was not going to be affected at all. And I think that FIFA also did away with uh, with the one-off. The, the August uh, friendly uh, date, the August one, and there was one. But well, they just they just did away with the one-offs altogether. Because uh, I think they like doubling up on the. I mean, let's face it; it just you know it makes sense for everybody. It, it's uh, a lot of people have to travel a lot of miles to play these qualifiers, and it just it's you know you know that's another thing that that people have to understand about what happened in 2013 is that for for two games, important games, they had a uh, guys that flew in for uh, you know and and had 36 hours, and they were total. The jet lag. I mean, that, that, that that's going to affect you too. Hey, you know, touching on the the jet lag players that uh, both uh, John and Jolie mentioned. You know, when uh, Maradona took over Argentina, didn't he mention? Uh, didn't he change? Uh, and he went on record too saying that he was basically going to have uh, two squads, uh, one for qualifying, and then one to play the World Cup because you know the players traveling back from Europe, they weren't, they were, they just weren't ready mentally or or physically. They were. You know, just the flight over was you know, yeah, complicating their qualifiers. Yeah, it's sixteen-hour flights. I mean, that's that's tough. That that's not you know. And then you have, you know, maybe a day to to practice with your team. I mean, and you're and you're playing a game at what for what you is like at four in the morning. They also give away their advantage, the height, the elevation advantage too, because now everyone's playing on equal terms. No one's used to playing at elevation. At least when they're playing in at Azteca. That's why I was thinking it would. It'd be kind of interesting to play a qualifier somewhere else. Yeah, well, the new Monterey Stadium would be nice, but apparently that place has no ventilation. <laughs> and don't they lose power? That, that's, that's to prepare us for Qatar. As I would <laughs> it was no, strategic, I, dude. Seriously, apparently in the summer it's, it's just supposed to be awful. You know, Texas Stadium was like that. They had, they had no ventilation, too. So, uh, I mean, it was like just a hot bus. So they call it La Tamarera, which just totally cracks me up. <laughs> that's a great name. Well, gents, we've been on for for an hour and forty minutes. Uh, we covered some some good stuff tonight. Do we have anybody on the ch on the YouTube chat? Hey, we had a couple questions on there. We did. What are the questions? Good lord! I, I just, I, 
you know what they said, uh, how many MLS teams is there going to be? It was directed to Chris uh, from uh, BRMW9. Okay. What's the question? He said, uh, how many MLS teams, I guess, how many teams is the MLS going to have? We were talking about, uh, uh, I guess, uh, Miami or David Beckham's team and the LAFC team. I think they want to yeah. have 20. There's, a, uh, there's Atlanta is going to start playing in 2017. Uh, Minnesota as well, I think, either 2017 or 2018. Um, Miami, like you mentioned. Um, LAFC 2. Um, and that's, I think St. Louis is, is on the on the right track right now to also get a, a franchise. So I think that, um, you know, from what I understand, I mean, they, MLS probably wants to top out around 26, 28 teams. Um, <clears throat> which I think is a lot of teams, to be honest. And I think that it's going to be detriment to them because uh, the player pool, the domestic player pool isn't big enough to really be spread out over um, all these teams. Um, so that means that they're going to have to go out and spend a lot more money on, on even like, you know, you know, average players from wherever, South America, Africa, Europe, whatever. Um, I think this sort of rapid expansion is, is, is good for the league in a sense, you know. I mean, they're obviously doing something right to be able to expand at this rate, but <clears throat> for uh, development of the, of the younger players in MLS, uh, it could be a good thing as well because it might, it might force coaches to, to use some of the younger players, but I feel like if you're forced to use the younger players without actually them being ready for it, that, I'm not entirely sure it's a good thing, but... But uh, MLS is definitely on track to uh, to add another at least. I think confirmed. There's there's five teams that will be playing in the league within the next three years. Five more teams from what they have now, and and uh, and probably add another five by 2023, 24. You know that's uh, I think that that's insane to have that many teams. But then I remember that they don't have promotion relegation. So honestly, right, them, they just right, right. It's it's a uh, it's a bit of a. I think that they would. They would benefit from maybe doing a. Their calendar year should probably change at some point. They maybe they well, just have a winter break or something. Size, so I mean, they're gonna have to do something. That you're talking about going to thirty. That's twice the amount of teams they have currently, isn't it? They yeah. have a, what, They have like nineteen uh, nineteen teams right now, I think. Um, Is it that many? Wow. Yeah, there, there's yeah because uh, I think the Western Conference and Eastern Conference are are are. Uh, they don't have the same amount of teams. Uh, yeah, because because Chivas isn't playing anymore. Right, but Chivas will just simply become LAFC. Right. Um, they're going to look to exploit those markets, and I mean, there's even talk about the Miami franchise. They're having problems really getting, uh, you know, support for a, for a stadium. So uh, supposedly the owners of PSG might might step in and buy the franchise rights from Beckham. Um, I don't know. I mean. You, you see what happened with New York City FC this year. I went to a couple of games at Yankee Stadium. Um, surprisingly, they, they did build a, a decent following. I mean, I think I went to about four or five games. There was easily about 25,000 people at all the games that I went to. People love the, the gear, and I mean, there's a lot of people in New York City walk around with, a, with the snapbacks and the jerseys and all that. But the team itself was not very good, and they just fired the coach, which is pretty ridiculous. The team was sort of, kind of getting a... A little bit of a rhythm, and then they kind of brought in Frank Lampard and Pirlo, and sort of forced them into the lineup, and 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 <laughs> it was it was not a good idea for them uh, in that sense. But but it, it 
the, the younger generations are into it, and, and that's what's going to drive the the supposed growth of MLS. I, I still have my doubts about that, but but uh, yeah, I mean they want to they want to top out at like twenty eight something teams. So they go figure. Twenty teams right now. Was yeah. the at, what what was the atmosphere like at their games? I mean, is it more like families? Uh, you know, parents with their kids, or was it more like a it's like a young? Because I've I've been yeah. seeing uh, advertising for LAFC where they they say they're targeting the the millennials, which it was isn't that kind of uh, a euphemism for uh, hipsters? Were there a lot of beards at the game? I think is what Juan is trying to. Ask. Yeah, no, no, for sure. <laughs> flannels, I mean, uh, beards, flannels, well, and scarves. <laughs> Yankee Stadium is in the Bronx, uh, and it's very easily accessible from people for people who live in in uh, the suburbs of New York or Connecticut, like myself. Or even within a city itself, any of the boroughs, mostly. So it's in a good spot. People can get to the games. The atmosphere itself was was not bad. I mean, they had a they have a supporter section. I don't know how you go about creating a supporter section for a team that hadn't even played yet, but they did. They had their chance, you know, you know, whatever. Um, the, the overall thing about watching soccer in a baseball stadium bugs me because the angles are weird. I mean, it doesn't matter where you sit. You don't really get a, a good feel for, for uh, the field. was just really small. But um, the, the, the actual people at the games were a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of millennials, so to speak, a lot of 20, young 20-somethings, you know. Uh, families, there were families, their kids, you know. Uh, pretty good, it was a pretty good turnout and a, and a good diversity to the crowd. So, I mean, I expect that to get better. Um, they're going to have the same problem that Miami's having, finding a stadium, because real estate in New York is, is extremely expensive. Yeah, good luck. And I don't know, these guys that own the team, they thought they could probably just sort of muscle into the local New York politics and get something done, and that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. I don't know. They're going to end up probably playing on, on you know, one of the outer boroughs, which takes away completely from the whole New York experience. And it's not going to be dissimilar to what the Red Bulls are doing. They end up playing in Jersey. And uh, the stadium is lovely in Jersey, but it's a pain in the ass to get there. And um, it's just a giant. It just, I mean, the, just the, the team lost its identity when it was bought by Red Bull. So uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. But but I I I I probably go to more games next year because it's only a forty. It's a forty minute train ride for me, and uh, the games are usually on Sundays, the home games. And uh, Metro North, which is the local uh, train authority. Um, they let you have uh, you can bring beer or alcohol on a, on a train, so it's you a know. pretty decent. Uh, it's a pretty. It's pretty. It's fun. I mean, I had fun. Wait a What's the other question that we got, Juan? There's a, there's a comment where he goes. He says, "Fight and win." If you ever seen the, <laughs> the Seattle Sounders capo, <laughs> hilarious video. Yeah, that guy's a, that guy's a tool, man. That guy is such a tool. The guy that leads the chance at the Seattle Sounders game, the guy needs to really just uh, just step off a cliff. <laughs> Do we have any other questions, or was that the only one? I think that was it. That was it. All right. Well, boys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up then. It's uh, been a good talk, as always. Uh, no uh, no yelling. Nobody. Sorry, Jolie. Nobody Nobody died. Nobody was <laughs> masked. Wait a minute. What did you say about you, John? I don't say anything about you. Still might. <laughs> All I said was that they're going to go back to their, you know, once they... Uh, once Vergara sells a team, they'll go back to their customary win a championship every 10 years. That's all I said. Those are fighting words, man. Hey, man. Hey, hey win, fighting words. Win, win That's something. like kicking somebody's dog, dude. You just don't do it. Hey. <laughs> all I'm doing is saying, is saying, you know, telling the truth. By the way, 
you know, Pumas will be the super leader and they will go to the Libertadores. And the last time they were super leader, they beat America in the finals. So that's all I have to say. Woohoo! There we go. About that. Anyway, but it's uh, <laughs> great talking to you guys. Uh, Dan, thanks for hopping on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, Albert, uh, thanks for all your technical support. We'll, uh, are we going to do this again on Wednesday or Thursday? Up to you guys. Wednesday's our normal day, so maybe that would be a, a good time, but we'll see. All right, well, we'll figure it out. Anyway, this has been Los Cachirules. Uh, Juan, uh, th thanks for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure, guys. Good talk. Yeah. Joel, always a pleasure. Likewise. Yeah. Did you are you using your neighbor's uh, your neighbor's wireless again, Hoyle? No, I, I cut my own now. <laughs> Christian, stay warm. I heard this was gonna get cold up there. Oh uh, yes. Yeah, we got a we got a storm coming, so you know you'll be around here, Paul, well, not really. West Virginia is very south of here, so Yeah, well a anything below fifty right now is freezing to me, so Oh Lord. I, I just have to get used to it. All right, this has been Los Cachurules. It's uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll do it again later on this week. Thanks, guys. Good night. Later. Yeah. Good night.